There's never been a more important time to ensure your immune system is operating at its peak. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a new natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients together. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today we're going to do a deep dive on the subject of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA and uh, ALA, and we're going to uh, help uh, sort out some of the controversies about this subject because uh, lately a spate of articles uh, have appeared uh, in the conventional literature suggesting that uh, fish oil is overrated, that it's not really that beneficial. Uh, Today's guest, Dr. Alex Vasquez, thinks otherwise. He's a director of the Medical Board of Advisors for Biotics Research Corporation, makers of one of my favorite brands of fish oil, Biomega Fish Oil. And he's also the author of many articles and books for doctors. In fact, he's written, I think, uh, 25 books uh, including uh, Inflammation Mastery, which is uh, a marvelous reference book. Uh, also, uh, you can find uh, his information uh, at inflammationmastery.com. Isn't that correct, uh, Dr. Vasquez? Yes, it is. Thank you. And he has, uh, boy, he's got so many initials after his name. He is uh, trained in chiropractic. Uh, he is also a doctor of osteopathic uh, medicine. Uh, he has had a undergone uh, naturopathic training at the prestigious uh, Bastyr University in Washington State, uh, and he's a fellow of the American College of uh, Nutrition, uh, and he's frequently called upon to uh, lecture to health professionals as well as to the general public. So he's uh, eminently qualified to weigh in on the subject of fish oil. Uh, so welcome, Dr. Vasquez. It's nice having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Dr. Hoffman. Okay, well, you know, give us a, a little introduction to the subject because, uh, you know, when we're talking about uh, omega-3 fatty acids, uh, it's almost one of those too-good-to-be-true stories because it seems like uh, uh, they're panacea-like in their wide range of, of benefits. And Why sure. is it that they have such ubiquitous uh, uh, assets? Well, that's a, that's a really good introductory question, and... Uh, I think the best uh, kind of most general and and also most accurate answer that I could give you is that, you know, nutrients are kind of like the currency or the building blocks of our human physiology. You know, the whole science of biochemistry and physiology is ultimately based on 
you know, nutrients and molecules kind of interacting with each other. So specific to your question about omega-3 fatty acids, they have many functions, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those in our conversation today. But those many functions kind of overlap through various cellular systems and body systems. And that's why we see so many different benefits, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to omega-3 fatty acid supplementation. And also, I think, you know, kind of one of the root questions that your audience may have and one that you were also asking is why do we see so many, you know, uh, benefits or potential benefits with omega-3 fatty acids, uh, the supplementation of those fatty acids. And I, I was actually reviewing, of course, while I was preparing for our conversation today, I was reviewing some of my previous videos and articles. And it actually it was the work of uh, some rather famous uh, fatty acid researchers who showed that the paleolithic or the historic intake of omega-3 fatty acids was actually about seven grams per day. And currently people consume a diet that provides them about one gram per day. So if you look at the historical precedent of omega-3 fatty acids, the, the expected physiologic intake is about seven grams per day. We only get one gram per day. And that's why people are walking around in a state of relative omega-3 fatty acid deficiency. And that's why they benefit so much in many different ways from omega-3 fatty acid supplementation. Is it possible that part of the problem is also a surfeit of the uh, uh, opposite type of uh, essential fatty acids, the omega-6 Absolutely. Series? Yeah. Sure. And that, and that was shown as well uh, in an article that I'm kind of mentally referencing that was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition in 1999. Uh, Around the same time, which was early in the 1900s, what happened is omega-3 fatty acids in the diet declined as people consumed more processed foods. And as you just suggested, the omega-6s increased. So the ratio between omega-3s and omega-6s shifted dramatically. At the same time, people started consuming more saturated fatty acids and more trans fatty acids, which of course we all know are notorious for their negative consequences. So if you, let's just look at those four groups. Let's look at saturated fatty acids. Those tend to be pro-inflammatory. Uh, trans fatty acids are kind of, they just kind of throw a monkey wrench in the whole system. But let's say that they're pro-inflammatory. Omega-6 are pro-inflammatory. And then the omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. So if you look at the total balance, let's say, everything got shifted in a pro-inflammatory direction and away from an anti-inflammatory direction. Uh, in addition, of course, to other changes that happened in society and diet and nutrition. So the, the overall balance, of course, is radically pro-inflammatory and uh, a deficiency of those anti-inflammatory nutrients. And so is this the theme that underlies the, uh, the wide variety of benefits of omega-3 fatty acids around the uh, inflammation I, equation? Sure. I think... I I think we could state that, you know, because we've known now for 20 years that, you know, this kind of sterile, uh, aseptic, metabolic inflammation kind of underlies a lot of different conditions. So virtually any condition that we talk about or think about is going to have an inflammatory component. So we could we could simplify things and and we would be correct in our simplification if we were to say that, yes, due to the change in fatty acid intake and the reduction in omega-3s, we're all shifted in a pro-inflammatory pro state, and that contributes 
to these wide ranges of different diseases that we see. We could say that, that would be accurate, and that would be sufficient. Uh, if we wanted to say a little more, uh, we could say also, for example, that certain, certain omega-3 fatty acids are necessary to support mitochondrial function. And we also see that mitochondrial dysfunction plays a role in many different diseases. So sure, we could say inflammation, and that would be mostly correct. Uh, but we could add more details on top of that. We could talk about mitochondria. We could talk about the gut microbiome as well. It, you know, lately there have been a lot of, you know, as you well know, some disheartening headlines about uh, fish oil. Studies sure. show that fish oil is of no benefit to the heart, for example. I mean, mm -hmm. headlines like those. Uh, and at the same time, uh, a drug company launched a prescription version of fish oil. It's called Vasipa. Uh, which mm -hmm. was touted as being very, very beneficial for the heart. So how do we reconcile the paradox that a prescription version of fish oil, which costs many times more than over-the-counter fish oil, uh, is beneficial for the heart, and the kind that you buy in the health food store is darn near worthless? I mean, sure. you have it both ways. I mean, that, that to me is a very striking paradox. Right. Well, if we're going to be... Uh, ethically and socially and intellectually honest, then the answer to your question is no. We can't have it both ways. So, you know, Linus Pauling said something, uh, obviously, many, many years ago. This would have been back in the 90s, early, early 90s. Uh, he said the body recognizes molecules, right? The body doesn't doesn't know how much you paid for that molecule. And in the, in the case of talking about, or, or if it was a prescription molecule, you know, your body doesn't have a way of recognizing and partitioning uh, and then using uh, a, a $300 a month prescription fish oil versus uh, those same identical omega-3 fatty acids that you would get from a supplement that you could buy without a prescription, although you, you may, of course, buy it from a healthcare provider. So, uh, you know, we could we can try to keep. Let's see, how can I say this? It, anytime you hear me stumble for words, it's because I'm trying to be politically and socially mm -hmm. correct, even and, when and I don't properly want to. properly so, nuanced. I mean, you know, I think that's the mark <laughs> of a of a of a refined intelligence is to not be so unequivocal. Well, you know, we could. I, I can dance around it, or I can just say that it's it's fraudulent research. And in my opinion, my personal opinion. The research was laughably fraudulent in this over the course of years, over the course of a few years. So I'm not talking about one particular article. But what I am talking about is what you alluded to, and that is all of a sudden we saw this trend in the research. So previously, fatty acids, uh, omega-3 fatty acids had gotten, as you as you uh, kind of foreshadowed, had gotten really good press. You know, omega-3 fatty acids, especially fish oil, were shown to be obviously safe. Uh, and effective for a wide range of conditions. And then starting in 2018, we started to just see article after article kind of bad-mouthing omega-3 fatty acids. And it, it was just totally uh, out of place and inappropriate, and, and obviously in some big journals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can ask ourselves, uh, it, when things aren't obvious, you know, we can ask ourselves questions and we can we can kind of polarize those answers and see which one makes sense. So does it make sense that a bunch of independent researchers suddenly happen to have reviewed the research on fatty acids and found, you know, totally opposite conclusions? Or was something going on in the background 
to pave the way for what was about to be a blockbuster three hundred dollar mm-hmm. a month prescription fish oil. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I can't really see that this was an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, that every major journal suddenly published a review on fish oil and found it to be negative, and I'll explain how that happened. Mm-hmm. And then another another journal suddenly found fish oil. T- was in prescription form. I mean, I, I can't I can't look at that and say that was just an accident, you know. So uh, if we look at the details, and as you alluded, I've published articles and I've published uh, some reviews. Some I've published some formal reviews, I would call them, uh, and then I've also done some of my own kind of casual reviews where I just look at the data and I say, here's what I think is going on. Uh, and I don't call those articles; uh, they're just kind of re- you know video reviews that I've done. But I did start doing those in 2018 when I couldn't stand what I was seeing, and that is all this bogus research. So to boil it down very quickly. When they wanted to make fish oil look uh, ineffective, they compared it against olive oil, which is also anti-inflammatory and cardioprotective, and we've all known that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. In other words, so they, again, used to, they used what, olive oil as the placebo. They had to give people some kind of pill, right. some, some inert substance exactly. to compare sure. to the active uh, treatment, which was the fish oil. Sure. So it was like one group got That's, fish oil and one group got olive oil capsules, right? Ex- exactly, exactly. So, uh, and as you just stated, they defined olive oil in those studies as the placebo. But you and I, and I would imagine most of your audience, we all know that olive oil is not a placebo. It's anti-cancer. It's anti-inflammatory. It's cardioprotective. It does a lot of good things. It's even been shown to alleviate attention deficit hyperactivity. So they chose strategically to call uh, olive oil a placebo to give it the illusion that it's inert when we know it's not inert, but Mm -hmm. they wanted to make fish oil uh, look less effective. So they compared it against something that they know is effective. Now the, the, what makes the strategy very obvious is number one, they use, they compared fish oil against olive oil when they wanted fish oil to look bad. Mm -hmm. Number two, number two is that they used an inadequate dose Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I think it's like oil. one capsule so, a day, one capsule or two capsules a day, something very small, right? Sure, sure. Depending on the, the formulation, uh, you know, they may have used 400 milligrams where you and I would use uh, 2,000 milligrams. So mm-hmm. sometimes they only use 20% of the appropriate dose. Mm-hmm. So number one, they used fake, pl- what I call fake placebos or strategic, let's call it, let's call them strategic placebos. They mm-hmm. used strategic placebos, depending on what they wanted to show. Mm-hmm. They underdosed. The other thing that they did in some of these studies is they used uh, study durations that are too short. Mm-hmm. So for fatty acids to function, they mm-hmm. have to get incorporated into membranes. Mm-hmm. That process takes a, a duration of at least three to five months, just like with vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So they would do short-term studies looking for what could only we could only expect certain benefits to come over the long term but they would you know make their studies three months or six months that's barely enough time for a good fatty acid study mm-hmm. so strategic placebos low dose short duration and I thought I was going to mention one of oh, the other thing is yeah I, I was just, I'm just going to interject that you know in some of these studies you know which debunk supposedly the benefits of mm-hmm. nutritional supplements whether it's fish oil or you know vitamin C or you know B vitamins whatever they're looking at they sometimes resort to what I 
sometimes referred to as the Lazarus effect. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. And sometimes they take a study group that's on its last legs and they demonstrate uh-huh. that the use of this or that or the other nutritional supplement, whether it be fish oil or something else, uh, doesn't do the job. But that what they've done is they've basically taken uh, patients or individuals who've been written off that are so far gone that nothing uh-huh. could raise them from the dead. You know, and I've seen that in some sure. of the studies. Sure. And a, a, a parallel example to what you're mentioning that I've seen, and, and I see it all the time, uh, is in the vitamin D studies. So... In a lot of the vitamin D studies, they'll use a dose that that may be appropriate for a healthy, young, lean adult, and they'll use that same dose in someone who's got a body mass of you know 35 or someone who's who's almost morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's obviously underdosing, and that's what I was saying about the fish oil as well. If they use 20% of the dose and then they give 100% of the criticism because the treatment didn't work, then they're they're not they're just not setting this up appropriately. And here's the, another way of looking at that uh, that makes it even more clear. And I, I know that you'll appreciate this based on your medical background and training. You would never expect you. No one would ever take seriously a study that used only 20 percent of the appropriate dose of a drug. So let's say that we're talking about here's a great example. Let's take let's say that we're talking about an anti seizure drug used in patients who have epilepsy. If if a study was done and they only used 20% of the dose and the, and the treatment failed, that a study like that shouldn't even be published, right? Because any, any medically aware author or editor would look at that and say, well, you, of course your study failed. You only used 20% of the appropriate dose, right? But they, they do studies like that with nutrients all the time. Mm-hmm. They use 20% of the dose. They use half the dose. They use 10% of the dose. And then they say the nutrient didn't work. Well, that's not appropriate therapy, but those studies get published for political reasons and because the editors and readers and authors are ignorant of, of a legitimate dose, mm-hmm. uh, strategically strategically ignorant, I might say. And, and by contrast, so, the study that, that actually validated the prescription form of fish oil, the Vasipa mm-hmm. study, and I forget the name of the study, right. uh, you probably know it, uh, but that study instead of using olive oil as a placebo, they used sure. uh, what is kind of a, a nocebo. In other words, a bad placebo. They used mineral oil. Right. And by contrast, exactly. I mean, if you gave uh, tap water in a, in a control group compared to somebody with mineral oil, you'd probably, probably find the tap water beneficial. Right. So that was a big disaster. So, you know, that goes back to what we were saying earlier, what I called strategic placebos. So a, a, a true placebo should be zero. It should have neither benefit nor harm. But what they did is they chose placebos based on what they wanted to find. And when they wanted to make the prescription $300 a month, uh, fish oil look good, like you just said, they used mineral oil. So, you know, for, um, some doctors who haven't studied this might agree with that. And that's what they're betting on. They're betting on the ignorance of their readership to, to go along with the story. But the fact is, mineral oil binds on uh, and reduces the absorption of fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin E, for example. So we know that vitamin E is an important antioxidant. We know that vitamin D is very important as well for a, a whole list of reasons. But when people, are, when people are supplementing with mineral oil, 
the mineral oil doesn't get absorbed, but it binds onto nutrients mm -hmm. in the gut and pulls, blocks their absorption. Pull, pulls them out, yeah, in effect. So those people were those people were made vitamin E, beta carotene, vitamin D deficient by the mineral oil, and that's part of what made the prescription fish oil looks so much better. Mm -hmm. and, but then by contrast, it's almost like within the industry, within the pharmaceutical industry, there was another study that actually pushed back against that uh, using a different methodology. Uh, and now they've called into question the benefits of fish oil based on that study. Sure. Well, unfortunately, you know, especially in the bigger journals or Either in the bigger journals or the the studies that are uh, published by big organizations that happen to have, you know, thirty million dollars a year in funding from the drug companies, uh, they all have an agenda that they're pushing, and the and and no one no one pretends that this is a secret. You know, medical journals get their money from drug advertisers and from selling reprints of their publications. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you look at the big studies that made, if, if you look for example at the study that made prescription fish oil look good, I don't, I don't have the details on you know, what happened behind the scenes, but I'm willing to bet that the journal sold reprints of that article to the company who was selling yep. the product. Yep. And sometimes, it was often, a source of and income. this is according yeah. Yeah. Sure. But but we're not just talking a little bit of side change. We're talking millions of dollars here. Mm -hmm. So a medical journal wants to publish something that a drug company wants to buy because that's how they make a mm -hmm. lot of money. Mm -hmm. They don't make their money off of subscribers and they don't make their money as off of libraries necessarily. It's advertisers and reprints. And, you know, for the journals that are published by certain societies, the the sponsors of those societies so, so they have a huge conflict of interest so another point to be made is that uh some of these prescription versions of fish oil uh claim the advantage that they're pure epa that they're they don't have any of that extraneous yeah. dha that stuff that you don't really need that you get from fish and you get from you know over-the-counter fish oil capsules that it's the right. epa that's doing the heavy lifting uh and therefore uh, they claim the IP, the intellectual property, uh, on the association between fish oil and cardiovascular prevention because it's EPA is the secret sauce, and they've uh, got it. Yeah, well, that's just wrong. I mean, that's biochemically wrong. So the uh, for a couple of different reasons. So we, when we talk about fish oil, like you just said, you know, a lot of times we've thought about EPA. It's it's considered to be the more of the anti, the, the more of the anti-inflammatory fatty acids. But DHA, the other fatty acid, even though it's a little bit less in quantity, is supremely important for cardiovascular health, and it's anti-inflammatory in its own ways. Uh, and some of the other constituents uh, of fish oil, for example, a little bit of tin also has an, a, a long time ago, probably 20 years ago, some studies showed that a little bit of tin, uh, in the uh, fish oil actually provided some of the cardioprotective effects too. So, so, so there's, so there's actually more than EPA, DHA and fish oil. There's some like minor uh, constituents yeah. along with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's been shown. And so th the idea that you want something that's hundred percent pure, I don't think that that's correct. I think you want something that's we could say semi-purified, and you certainly want you know some of the oxidants and some of the contaminants to be removed, obviously. But I I would I would say we don't want pure 100% EPA because we need DHA and we need some of the other components as well. 
And DHA may have distinct uh, a distinct portfolio of benefits, particularly it seems to the brain. Uh, you know, for the developing uh, child in pregnancy, uh, and so on. So it, it may be uh, some overlap, but there may also be some distinct benefits uh, to each and every one of them. And in, in nature's form, uh, you get a synergistic package. For sure. And, you know, I th- when I used to teach this to graduate students, you know, the general idea is that EPA, we would say, is anti-inflammatory and DHA is necessary for membranes. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, those membranes are in the brain, but they're also in the heart. Uh, and the other thing is we have to think of the mitochondrial membranes, and that's where DHA again plays a role. Uh, if you look at the electron transport chain, complex number two actually is anchored to the mitochondrial cell, uh, mitochondrial membrane by DHA. So DHA is necessary for membranes in the brain, uh, in the heart, and in the mitochondria. Okay, Dr. Vasquez, this is a great introduction, uh, but we've got more to talk about uh, because in part two, I want to talk about some specific applications of uh, fish oil uh, and some other considerations. Uh, today, we're talking to Dr. Alex Vasquez, Director of the Medical Board of Advisors for Biotics Research Corporation, makers of Biomega Fish Oil, also the author of uh, numerous articles and books. Uh, both for the lay public, uh, but specifically for doctors. He's uh, trained uh, many health professionals. Uh, he's a DC, a DO, uh, and uh, a an FACN, which is uh, a, a clinical nutritionist. He's a fellow of the American Academy of Clinical Nutrition. Uh, and uh, did I miss anything? Oh, yes, you're a naturopathic physician to boot. So right. uh, covering a lot of bases here, and when we return more of today's intelligent medicine. 